0: We're going to jump in and consider our, uh, our series. We're in a series called Exile. And the reason it's called Exile is because the Babylonians rushed in and defeated Jerusalem and kind of destroyed the Israelites. But a guy named Daniel and his buddies Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego kind of tell the story in the book of Daniel of having favor with the king. And they became advisors to the king, spiritual Advisors, and so today we want to continue that series, and I'll catch you up to speed if you haven't been here before. But today we're specifically talking about how do you respond to pain? How do you respond to pain? In this story today, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the famous chapter Hebrews three, the fiery furnace. How many of you grew up hearing this story in Sunday school or somewhere? I certainly did, and uh, they experienced pain. And, and it's maybe a different kind of pain than what you might think. So I want to jump out there with a question for you. How many kinds of pain are there? <laughs> lots. Did I hear someone say lots? Um, you know, we use that word a lot. We, you know, if someone says you're a pain in the neck, what does that mean? Does that mean they, really their neck hurts when they look at you? No, it just means that you're bugging them. You know, you're, you're bugging them. So here's another question. Which is worse, physical pain or emotional pain? <laughs> I love looking out here and watching some of you go, hmm. I, I would say the answer to that is the one that I'm going through is the worst, right? I mean, if you, if you have a toothache, there's nothing that you can do until you fix it. It, it, it takes over your life. And, and yet, I have to say, if you have that, that tough emotional pain, you're going through heartache, brokenness, there's no physical pain that can add up to that. And so it's a dilemma. What we're, what we're talking about today, these guys had a lot of emotional trauma in their life. King Nebuchadnezzar is a really wicked guy. And so you know, just to kind of catch you up to speed, if you haven't been around, I'll make this really fast. When, when the Babylonians came in, Daniel... And his buddies had nothing left from their culture. They, they changed their hairstyles, hats, clothing, language, food groups, everything. So they even renamed them. So, so there's really, it's a whole new identity. And as we talk about exile, the whole idea is, can I live in a second choice world? Can I, can I make it work even though this is not what I really thought my life would be like? And that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And I, I've really enjoyed this, this series. So what happened last weekend, if you are here, I'll make this quick, but, but the king had a dream. Remember that? And he went to all of his astrologers and all of his magicians and he said, tell me my dream and what it means. He didn't just say, tell me what it means. And they said, no, you tell us your dream and we'll tell you what it means. He said, no. Somehow he knew they would make something up if he told them the dream. But he wanted them to somehow have supernatural power to tell him what his dream was and what it meant. No one could do it. He's going to kill them all. Daniel shows up, prays with his friends through the night. God gives Daniel a vision, reveals the dream. So then what happened at the end of the story? You guys remember this? King Nebuchadnezzar bows down to Daniel at the end of this and says, Your God is the greatest God ever. It's almost like a repentance, though he's not, you know, he says, there's no God greater. Well, it's seven days later for us, and we go to chapter three, but here's the dilemma. Now, please hear this. People forget what happened in the past. So we're jumping, chapter two to chapter three, we're jumping, most theologians say, between 15 and 19 years ahead. Okay? How many of you, can't remember that far back, <laughs> right? So, so King Nebuchadnezzar forgets that he's supposed to be worshiping the one true God, okay? So we pick it up. Number one, if you have a, a program like this on the very back, is just a little outline you can follow along, and if nothing else, it will give you hope to know that I'm almost done when I get to the end, okay? So that's, that's a good use for that. Number one, yesterday's engagement may not be today's reality, The stuff that I recall last week is fresh on my mind. But if I go, okay, 19 years ago, what was I doing today? Well, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't have a clue. I don't even remember what I was worried about, what I was happy about, what I was sad about. I don't know. I don't even remember. But I know this. King Nebuchadnezzar forgot about this situation with Daniel and how Daniel had basically met all the conditions the king had set. And now he's back to his idolatry. Okay, everybody with me? That's where we're at. So now the king does something really crazy. He, uh, he, he, he makes this command in chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can just lay it open. We're just going to walk through this. Let me read it. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages... To the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, everybody. All the provincial officials came to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all these officials came and they stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground, worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Wow. So I have a question just to consider. Why would he build such a statue? This is a huge monument. How many of you have ever stood in front of the Lincoln Memorial up in Washington? It's pretty massive. And you kind of just stand there and go, wow. Well, this statue was about that size. The, that memorial is 99 feet, this one's 90. That one's a little bit wider, but this is nine feet wide. It's huge. And in the the culture he was in, it was a miracle they could even build this stuff. Let me tell you one other observation that, again, you can research this, but the furnaces that they had, because they melted a lot of metals to make idols. They had big furnaces that they could get really, really hot. Like, you know, if you've ever been around a campfire, how many of you have a stove or a fireplace somewhere, a fire pit? You know, you put some logs on there and it gets hot, right? You tell your kids and grandkids, don't touch this. These furnaces were not that. These furnaces were the size of houses. These were huge furnaces that would, would melt down gold so that they could plate it and, and, and move it and form it and mold it into molds. They were great at this stuff. It was amazing what they could do. And, and the king got this furnace super hot, and so they were used to doing this. So a fiery furnace was nothing new to the Babylonians. They, they understood how to do this well. That's important for later in the story. But why would he build such a large statue? He forgot the God of Daniel. Do you ever forget the God of provision in your life? You know, I, this week I've had a chance to pause and go, man, where was I 20 years ago? Where was I? What was I counting on God for? And I thought of the times God's been faithful to me and he's shown up in my life and I'm still alive today maybe because of things that he provided for me. You know, you, you just never know, do you? But here's the takeaway before we go, move on. I think that even powerful kings like Nebuchadnezzar have this reality moment when they need something bigger than them to worship. Do you think it's human nature... For us to sort of understand that we are not God, I mean, even if you're an atheist, you know, when you, when you look at the galaxies, I love telescopes, I love the stars, I love the directions and, and all the things that come with navigation by the stars, I'm mesmerized by it. But sometimes when I, you know, you have these apps now and you point your phone or whatever to the sky and tells you all these stars, I, I just can't believe how little I feel in light of the galaxies that are out there. I'm just like a piece of sand. It's just, it just like... And I think Nebuchadnezzar had this idea that if I can build something big and massive, this will be worthy of our worship. And I think that happens in our culture all the time. Matter of fact, you will worship something with your life. Might not be the one true God, but you are worshiping something in your life. Let's move on. Number two. You are being watched... You say, well, no one cares what I do. Yeah, they actually do. You, every person in this room, in the South Auditorium, everywhere, online, you're being watched by somebody. It might be one person. It might be the people you work with. Might be thousands of people. But you're being watched. Verse eight. Some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flutes, either lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. There are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. When did he do that, by the way? Last weekend, 19 years ago. Okay, After Daniel, he said, I want you and your buddies to take over. You're in charge. That's when it happened. They've been suffering under that because they, they didn't like that the Jewish boys are now having control over them. So they point that out. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. Okay, that's a big statement. They refuse to serve your gods. They do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. How many of you know by the series so far, King Nebuchadnezzar is not going to be happy about this? Okay, he's a madman. I, I think about this and I think these guys were finding a way all these years to set these guys up for failure. If you've ever had someone in your life, it's a terrible feeling. People want to, want to trash your reputation. They want to say mean things about you. It's horrible. I, I think about kids who watch their parents emulate their parents how many of you are raising kids right now and it's like you've got to be careful what you say I had a mom uh, one time she came up to me and she said can you pray for me I said sure she said I've got to stop cussing I said what do you mean she said I don't know I just say the little words I don't say the really bad words but my kids have started saying my little bad words and I just don't want them to be saying that word. I said, well, then stop saying it. I can't help it. It just comes out. <laughs> I, I said, well, I'm not sure praying is going to help. You're going to you're gonna have to think about this in your life. But I thought that was cute because kids learn. They emulate. They do what you do. And it's hard to stop them. So, you know, I want to just make a statement here that I, I want you to think about, okay? Your greatest statement in life is determined by how you live not by what you say. I'm going to say that one more time. Your greatest statement in life is determined by how you live, not by what you say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this was true. As a matter of fact, according to the Bible, we don't hear that they said anything. They didn't say to everyone else, don't do it. They just lived out their conviction. And action speaks louder than words. Number three, worship the creator, not the created. Worship the creator, not the created. I'm amazed at how many times you have tribes across the world, um, people groups, in so many different countries who find something that's been created by the creator and they worship that. A, a mountain, a tree, a certain kind of a tree, a fruit, whatever it is. Why, because they're, just, they're overwhelmed that something like this has been created, but they forget it was created. We are called to worship the creator, but look at verse 13. This made Nebuchadnezzar super mad. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. I mean, we've seen that a few times so far. We're only in chapter 3. And ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. So here's what's going to happen. They are brought before the king. Everybody gathers around, all the important, the, the, and king gives them a lecture. And he basically says to them, I'm going to give you a do-over. <laughs> How many of you grew up with Do-overs. You know, it's like, okay, you get one more chance, okay? So, so here's a do-over. I'm going to have the music play again. You guys bow down. It's all good. Everybody good? And they're like, hmm, it's, it's not settling in real good. We, we probably need to make a statement. And, and they, the Hebrew boys were ready to make a statement. But King Nebuchadnezzar did not want to throw them in the furnace. And it's not like him to give a second chance. It's just not. But that's what he said. But look at what happened in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Well, that's a big mistake in King Neb's mind, I promise you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. <laughs> I, I love like, like uh, uh, we don't give a rip what you say, sir. I mean, this is kind of like this, <laughs> your majesty. But this is my favorite line in the whole story. I, I, I mark my Bible up and it's marked up. Look, but even if he doesn't, God is able We know that. We believe that. You don't have power over us. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, (laughs) that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Man, that is a line in the sand. They know they're dead if a miracle doesn't happen. They know this king. They've been watching him. Who knows how many people they've seen slaughtered by him. So they know by taking this stand, it's their life. If God, where does courage like this come from, you guys? It's a big question. Where, what gives us courage to take a stand that goes against the grain of the culture? And, and I'm not saying that we should take a stand on every little thing. You don't for 19 years, they've lived around idols. Horrible idolatry. They've, they've found a way. Remember Daniel was negotiating with the king and, and the servants, the other servants. He's trying to figure out how can we be in a second choice world and keep our standards. So they're not trying to pick a fight. It's just that they didn't have any other option with this particular dilemma because it involved worshiping something that was not the true living God. Am I willing to take a stand when it counts? Big question. I don't know that I've ever had to. I don't know that, you know, there are people in countries today who are are being killed because they proclaim the name of Jesus. Let's not forget the persecuted church. It's alive and well in the world. Do you you know that? It's alive and well. So I don't wanna take this for granted in any way. Will I have unchanging principles rather than being driven by fear and emotion. The only way I can have that is if I live this, and it's so set in my heart that when fear comes and when I have those emotional challenges or even breakdowns, my pattern is strong enough to carry me through the dilemma. That's what happened to them. That's where the courage came from. They had a pattern of of thinking strong, and they weren't going to bow down. Number four, God is capable... Will we be faithful? It's a truth that God is capable. He can do anything. But he doesn't always show up in the fire with us in the way that he delivers them. Some people, many people have died proclaiming God and they were not spared. They were not saved. So they got out on a limb with this. They took a chance with this. And when they didn't bow, you know, this second time, they went through the whole thing. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That's hilarious. His face starts twisting. And have you ever seen someone so angry that their whole face blew up? You know, I mean, that's what happened. That's what happened. And I think of this king, and he is not used to having anyone defy this in his life. So he just, he just he just goes off and he doesn't know what else to do. It just boom. So he, he immediately responds: make the furnace seven times hotter. I don't know why seven times. I don't know. And I don't know if it really they could had had the measuring capacities to make it seven times hotter. I don't know, but I'll tell you this: it was hot. If you can melt gold and other metals. I don't want to be in that fire. How about you? So that's what he does. You know, I think of, of, you know, if my faith has ever made someone angry with me. Now I know, and I'm going to make one statement. I promise I won't get off into politics here. I know that many so-called Christians really like to antagonize non-Christians and vice versa. Would you agree? This is not the pattern in in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not trying to make a political stand about their beliefs. They're simply refusing to bow to an idol. You guys, there's a big difference between making problems for ourselves and, and harassing people without need to rather than living humble, gentle lives before God. But there's a line. And if you ever face that line, I hope you will take a stand And look at verse 22. Because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Wow. So it had to be a slope that went downhill. Some believe it was like a cave that was cut out with this furnace possibly gates with bars on it. But when they opened it, if you've ever seen any of those fire movies, and they open a door and the fire goes for the oxygen, that's kind of, I think, what happened here is the fire just bolted out and just killed them, killed them all. And I think the takeaway line is, is this. Evil kings, evil leaders, sometimes their actions destroy innocent people. And they have no regard for that. These guys were simply doing what the king said, but it cost them their lives because of his evil and his lack of concern for anyone else. That's narcissism on steroids, but that's King Nebuchadnezzar. Number five, pain is inevitable. Isolation is optional. We're going to suffer emotional pain, maybe even physical pain in this life, but you don't have to do it alone. And this is probably one of the, you know, this is just such a powerful part of the story that, that I love so much. And it's in verse 24 and it says, but suddenly, and there's, there's drama. I, as, as a kid, man, I need the flannel graph up here right now. I need the flannel graph because remember the three people in the fire and the fire is burning and all of a sudden they put Jesus up and he's like 10 feet tall, you know. I, that's what I need. Nebuchadnezzar jumped up. In amazement, he exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around, the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. It was Jesus Christ standing with them in the fire. He's with you in your darkest hour. You guys, we don't always see the supernatural like that. But the power of this story is in the fact that they were not alone. The Lord was with us. And we have that promise from when Jesus left this earth that no matter what we face, what we go through, he will always be with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. That is a powerful promise. And then number six, I mean, you cannot deny the miraculous. The king could not deny this. This was, this was happening in a, in a big way. I want you to see kind of something that is powerful in this story. When the king had his, his muscle men throw them in the fire, um, they were bound. It says they bound them. But when they gathered all the leaders around, and after they saw this fourth man in the fire, the king went to the furnace. Somehow he could look in the flames He saw the fourth man and he caused them to come out. That's why I believe it was inside a cave or a a structure where they could get out. And I don't know if they had to open a gate or what. But they walked out of that fire. And the Bible is very clear on this. It says not one hair on their bodies was, was singed. It says that their clothing was not burnt. And it says that they didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, that is a powerful statement. None of those natural things when you're in a fire, just go camping for one night with a campfire. You'll bring your clothes home and go burn them. (laughs) None of this happened to them, but there was one thing that did happen to them. You know what it was? The ropes that bound them by the king were broken off of them. The world cannot bind you in such a way that there is no deliverance when you walk with Jesus Christ. There is a fourth man in the fire. That's why neither arrogance or greed or pride or lust or addiction or drugs or alcohol or relationships or whatever, nothing can have a hold on you that keeps you tied to this world when you proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord of all in your life. Nothing can. Nothing can. Man, it doesn't mean we don't struggle. It doesn't mean we don't have temptation. We do. But that's a powerful part of this story. That which the king used to bind them was gone. But they had no other effects on them from the fire. Now King Nebuchadnezzar... Okay, sorry, I laugh. But anyway, here we go. This is hilarious. Then King Nebuchadnezzar says... Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. (laughs) Therefore... I make a decree. Here he goes. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be burned to heaps of rubble. There is no other God who will rescue me like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. I just love that. The king is still crazy. He is a crazy man. But now he thinks he's doing something good because he's found a better God than the idol that he built. Well, didn't that happen 19 years ago? Yeah. This is why I have hope. God's plan, God's will, God's purpose can use ungodly leaders We don't like to believe that. I don't. We have some crazy leaders in our world today. Don't we? I'm not just talking about their haircuts. I'm not. I'm not. I'm talking about their policies, their power, nukes. I mean, it's crazy. And sometimes if, if you let it, you can you can step back and fear can overtake you. What is, what's going to happen to... Our world, and I, and suddenly I just stop, I and mean, I read this, and I just have this calm that says, "Guess what? God's bigger than any world leader. He has a plan. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not in a position of influence over any of those decisions. So why don't I go back and enjoy my day to day?" Why don't I go ahead and love my family, love you, love church love? Why don't I show up at work with a smile? And why don't I just live my day-to-day in the way that God has blessed me to live it? And I think I'll just let God take care of all the big world events. Because he can. I can trust him. You should use the influence you have. No doubt about that. But be careful to let God be God in our world because he can do what he wants. Four things, just really fast. Number one, who is on the throne of my life? It's just a question. Is he Lord of all? There's a great theologian back in the 70s and 80s. His name was Bob Dylan. Some of you know Bob. The big song. He was not a theologian. But he did sing a song called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. How many of you remember that song, you old rock and rollers? you got to serve somebody. It's true. You will serve somebody. Hope it's the one true God. Number two, who will I stand with and who will stand with me? Big question. I have some pretty close friends. I have people who would stand with me in the fire and I definitely would stand with them. I am so grateful for that. I don't have to stand alone it was Benjamin Franklin after signing the Declaration of Independence he said this to everyone who signed it quote we must indeed all hang together or most assuredly we shall all hang separately <laughs> <laughs> let's hang together number three do I believe there is another in the fire with me Will I look around when I'm in trouble? Will I trust that Jesus is with me? I don't know that they saw him. You know, the Bible doesn't say that Shadrach spoke out to the king. You see this guy? You're messing with him. I don't know that they even saw the fourth man in the fire. But they had to be pretty confused looking around at the stuff that and they weren't they weren't even affected. But the guy who didn't believe saw the fourth man in the fire, and that's the power of strength. When you walk, you know God is with you. Others see you have strength you don't ordinarily have. Think about that. You're not alone, ever. Number four, and finally, am I willing to say, even if he doesn't? You remember the context? Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will serve him. That's a huge statement of faith, you guys. What are my greatest commitments and who are they to? These are pondering questions.